0: You are listening to the Firecracker Podcast with Tony Rico.
1: Okay, we are in the studio today (laughs) with... I'll say it, another special guest. All our guests are special. I'm
0: special, special. But when you're here,
1: you're extra special. So we've got a Firecracker alumni, Lexi Robles, with us today. And gosh, Lex, you, you kind of emerge on my phone or in my life about once every year and a half, maybe, something <laughs> like that. I' you're lucky
0: too, and you, you, you know, know, you're I, one of the lucky few. <laughs> and, I,
1: and I feel that way, but it always makes me feel so good. So Lexi had reached out and just actually wanted to come down and hang out and mm-hmm. maybe go to lunch and talk a little bit. But I figured we'd pull you into our production day. <laughs> So we've got some exciting stuff going around here. But Lexi, as a Firecracker alumni, and what years did you play for us?
0: Oh, um, I graduated in 13, and I played with you four and a half years. It's so like 2009.
1: You were a freshman.
0: I was eighth grade. I was going into my freshman year.
1: Wow. Baby. So that part of the learning curve for our team is there was a day when I wouldn't have had freshmen on our team, mm-hmm. just figured it wasn't, right? And then, okay, expand my horizons a little bit. And so, I think Hallie Wilson might have been the first.
0: Yeah, I think it was the second. It. But
1: that's a that's a legacy. Mm-hmm. Wow, pup. you were the pup.
0: Yeah, with that backpack that was the same size as me.
1: That's you know, and I, and I think so. The five pups out there, the ten pups that have played on our team that know what that means. You're the youngest one on our team. Yeah, and like anywhere else in teams, you have certain responsibilities, but they weren't oh, yeah. that bad. The pup no, bag,
0: no, because the class that the ones that were above me, they weren't so like, well, no, you're just... Not to what? Mistreat,
1: They weren't into hazing or <laughs> exactly, kind of, But there were exactly. responsibilities that... Yes. And you know. you
0: know what? I knew my role. I knew my place to a certain extent where it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll do that. That's my job. Yeah. push it. They never did. So you did know? the pup
1: bag when you were playing have the heavy... Um, so John Dakes, rest <laughs> oh his soul and bless his heart, uh, he used to love to put the shut
0: yes. screws
1: and all the heavy all the metal screws. in there that was about... 12 pounds of stuff. So that was in there. Okay. Yeah.
0: And it was probably like, what, two feet wide?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, our alumni always like to hear me say stuff like, well, I think after that, I took the screws out and realized that's a little heavy. So Mm -hmm. to hear that people's lives got easier after you (laughs) left, it's not not always well received. Um, So yeah, that was a few years ago. And so four years on the team. Mm -hmm. And if we go go back uh, even earlier to kind of getting started in travel ball, we quickly men- mentioned before we uh, went on the air, uh, you coming in with the Lakewood Ladies. Yes.
0: So, well, the story Talk that I wanted to tell you. Yeah. So I was on, um, you know, a couple other teams, not very well known, you know, getting through. We didn't, I'm the first one of four, so we didn't really know grew much. grew up in? Covina.
1: Okay. Yes. And came out of Covina Rec League?
0: Um, Charter Oak. Charter Oak. Yes, Charter Oak. I played Charter Oak. And funny story is my very first tryout ever, I cried in the dugout. My parents forced me.
1: So I was just going to ask you, so going to travel ball, that was something they said, hey, let's go do this. Let's- yeah,
0: it, it kind of just naturally happened. Um, one of the girls that I played with in at Charter Oak, her dad started a team, a travel ball team. He transitioned to a travel ball team, the Bombers, SoCal Bombers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Alexis Gon- uh, Gonzalez. Okay. Yes. Right. And so that just happened, and you know that was 10 and under. I went to travel ball. And from there, just was a couple other teams. And- I remember we had, for the very first time, we saw Lakewood Ladies play, you know, and we see Tina and Missy and all of them just hitting bombs. And it was a hill that had like a steep slope, like in the outfield. And you just see these balls rolling down, rolling down. And we're like, who the heck is that? You know? And so they had seen me play. Didn't know, you know, just, we just admired them. We watched them, had no idea. And they had gotten contact with my parents. And they, you know, scheduled my parents to come, you know, meet with us, talk to us about the team. And to this day, if you ask uh, Coach George about it, the very first memory he has of me is I was in the front yard with my sisters and we were playing handball against the garage wall. And I was in a skirt because, you know, my mom wanted me to be presentable and all that. But and I was playing we're in my at- skirt. Oh, yeah. Just sliding around on the concrete, not caring. And yeah, he said from there he knew.
1: Did he notice your hands then?
0: You know, probably, probably. <laughs> so Coach
1: George Arajo, who's now uh, a coach at Cal State Fullerton yes. and a very dear man to all of us, and, yes. and, and is such an important part of the Firecracker history yes. books, uh, bringing in the chapter of mm-hmm. Lakewood Ladies and then becoming Lakewood Firecrackers, yes. and then merging, and then us bringing five players. I wish we could have brought more, but yeah. five players over to our team. that all, You guys all cr- kind of created your own legacy yes. as well. But bringing that point up, because George is a great uh, – he was an infielder, and he's a great infield coach. And so Lexi um, was just one of these, and I, I can't just give it up to your heritage of being Latina or something, but, you know, yeah. she just had the smooth hands. <laughs> I mean, she just had those, you I mean, talk about uh, infielders and middle infielders and making it look easy. So you had that, and I'm sure, George, you know, it didn't take too long. And I would imagine yeah. even at 10 years old you were
0: well, yeah, looking that's pretty smooth. Cause, what I was going to say, too, is my dad, the very first thing he ever taught me is, you know, you look good. That's the first thing someone's going to see. And it was always smooth, no matter what I did, basketball, smooth, smooth, smooth. And so being with George, it just brought me to another level of, you know, being able to have their range and doing all these other things that I wasn't some aware of. The, some of. of the skill work. Exactly. Do you
1: think you're, so your dad was involved in boxing a little bit? Yes. So do you think some of that dialogue from him about rhythm? Oh, and, yeah. And you Because know, that's huge because I feel like so Very often much. I'm the first coach to talk about that with so mm-hmm. many players, and you did. You had a musical, a tempo component, which yes. I incorporated into our teaching a lot, mm-hmm. and that's what made it really good to watch. I didn't know that your dad was.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And everything with him, in, you know, it wasn't – it's rhythm, but for him it was everything just fill it, just fill it. And he just made these noises moving, just like throwing his hands and doing those motions it makes like me want to ask me.
1: what his boxing training was like and if, if oh, that yeah. was also part of it. Oh yeah. Does Since I was
0: little, I just remember doing the gloves and he would put out this um put out a rope and I would just move, move, move. Yeah. And you know, it was always like, Okay, now move. That's just move. Oh me. yeah, just flow with it. Just Did he have you boxing too? Yes. Yeah. It stopped for a little bit, and I'll the, never put forget. Put the gloves
1: on you in your skirt at what age?
0: <laughs> oh, I was probably kindergarten before then. I, did yeah did
1: you, were you into it? Or Yes.
0: I love to this day, even uh, my fiance, he does boxing too as well. And when we train and stuff, he'll just work with me, and we'll just keep doing that. And I still feel do, it in that sense. Do you hold the
1: gloves warm or anything? Or he'll you? hold
0: it for me. He's a little too strong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
1: that's pretty impressive, though. That, yeah. That's pretty good stuff. Um, yeah, that's a unique part of your background too. So, yes. so Lex, I'll describe you as a confident, <laughs> not conceited, yes, very no. gracious, but, but you own yourself. And, and I I love this part of your story because, you know, I mean, like myself, God didn't make us six foot and give us the biggest <laughs> bones and longest arms or anything, but you are yeah. really an example of, of knowing who you are mm-hmm. and always presenting yourself. So even talking about whether... Uh, how you present yourself on the field or how you like to look and the way you dress and present yourself. But you said something that your dad had mentioned about owning it or just how you present yourself. Mm-hmm. And it always reminds me of coach Normie. Yes. And he, again, he was another coach that again has passed away and is a big part of our, of our history books and still in our hearts, but another coach that would talk about walking into the room
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you become the room.
0: Oh yes. Yes. I I remember those conversations like yesterday, and I just, I remember the one thing me and Normie bonded over too, especially was his love for shoes and his glasses. And he was like, you know, when I die, my wife's going to find my stash of glasses and my shoes, and she's going to bring me back from the grave and kill me again. And I'll never forget that. And I would just laugh. I'm like, oh, that's going to be me one day. That is
1: so great that you brought that up. Yeah. We just had our uh, third uh, golf tournament, and you should ink that in for next year to yes. join us on that day. And um you know, just some memories and different things like that. But that would be a great memory because yes. uh, that was actually mentioned a few times about his shoe collection. <laughs> and so,
0: and one thing that stuck with me too was I never to this day have heard it since him is he wears his socks inside out. Always wears socks inside out.
1: That's right. Because
0: they're softer on the outside.
1: <laughs> that is right. And yeah. Jackson's socks. So he was the mm-hmm. equipment manager guru, and yes. so knew all knew the ins and outs of. Of uh, care of your uh, uniform and different things like that.
0: You know, to this day, I still use Simple Green and soak all of my white clothes. You know, it's
1: so great to keep it it is. alive like that.
0: It is, that. and it would kill me when we would travel the next day and our white clothes were just sitting there in dirt and I'm like oh my gosh he's turning on his grave I know it
1: well John Dakes used to uh, he was very uh, clean conscious as well and John Dakes mm-hmm. would, would he, you know he'd always talk to the girls before we head out on the road for the summer and say All right, you, gotta, you gotta make sure you got your shoelaces shoe shoelaces, you got this yes. and the girls would always be like mm, really John and then the first time somebody ties their shoe before a game and that shoelace snaps <laughs> and John would just look over like uh-huh. I tried to tell you and then John would give the uh, talks about washing your clothes in the sink in the hotel room mm-hmm. and wringing them out and just hanging them over and letting them drip dry and stuff. I, yeah. He was never received, you know, with enough seriousness that I don't know if anyone took it, but he knew how to take care of himself. John, he was never unkept and never had a hair out of place. And me Mar- too. That. So you talk oh, about yeah. we had two of the most stylish men. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. It's not bragging, but I think it's just <laughs> a fact that if you went for the top. Those stylish oh, yeah. coaches in softball.
0: I'll never – yeah, Normie never had, like, any wrinkles in his shorts. Never. It was just like that one pleat so down funny. the middle.
1: <laughs> That's just so funny that you notice stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Coming into the softball world, I didn't notice or care about anything <laughs> like that. And it yeah. wasn't until Jonathan from The Glove uh, informed me that our players look like they've been dressed by – Football coaches and baseball oh players, gosh. and we and I started to become uh, conscious of like those types of things: mm-hmm. wrinkles in the pants, all of those things. And the game kind of changed there. So let's go back a little bit to Lakewood Ladies. So, yeah. all right, uh, she so got the tri- You got the tryout. You're a little nervous, um, and that was for the bombers, mm-hmm. right? And then you see uh, Tina Yosefa and Missy Takeo <laughs> hitting bombs for the Lakewood Ladies. Oh yeah. And so um, George goes over to your house, has the conversation, mm-hmm. and then. That was what age? So fifth grade, sixth grade?
0: Yes. Sixth grade. Sixth okay. grade. And everyone else was in seventh
1: grade. So Lakewood ladies. And then you guys had won a national championship mm-hmm. yeah. a year or two later after that.
0: Um, I think it was that same year. And the next year, yeah, it was the same year.
1: So the core of that team being, name your teammates on that team.
0: Coral, Missy, Gordy, Tina, um, Adika, like I'm missing some people, but well, those are the main ones that are coming to my head. I never Kayla Pepe's, Yeah,
1: there yeah, you go. Best
0: friend, still to this day, yeah.
1: Awesome. Yes. And I always like, I don't like to forget Jenna Kelly.
0: I don't, I didn't play with Jenna.
1: She wasn't on your team? No. Okay, she must have been afterwards or something, but I, I yeah. thought that, that, uh.
0: Oh, no, you know what, no, she was she older was, than me. But she, she was, was on she the black was, team. No,
1: but she was uh, the day that because so there I was. Searching my of memory us. banks, I'm wondering if she was on the field or with the team the day that I asked you guys to the. She played with team. Katie. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, if my memory serves me correct, yeah. Well, and I, so I now we're it. both getting old. <laughs> You're telling me. I just threw <laughs> you in with me.
1: So, so you guys had some success with the Lakewood ladies, yes. and uh, I'm forgetting kind of how George and I initiated the, con- the the relationship and some of the yeah. conversations and then he gave me a call one day and says, I got a crazy idea. I don't, I don't know if you're going to like it, but I want to run it by you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I like crazy ideas. He says, well, what if we got together and um, called our team the Liquid Firecrackers? Mm-hmm. And the very first reaction that I thought was uh, Taco Bell Pizza Hut. <laughs> you know, two <laughs> yeah. big names kind of coming together and how did that register? It's kind of like, hmm, and get a, and in Chirito, that's how old I am. <laughs> I don't think they make those anymore. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and a pizza or something. So mm-hmm. I thought, wow. And the other thing was that Lakewood and Lakewood Ladies, there weren't a lot of other Lakewood teams. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like you had these Lakewood Athletics or Lakewood Bloom. and Lakewood. So Lakewood Ladies, that all to be kind of registered the same. So when you took the ladies out and became Lakewood Firecrackers, the Lakewood to me was the Lakewood Ladies. <laughs> yeah. So it got an interesting reaction. And it was one of the first times we had some of the mergers that started taking place. And uh, and it really worked. And so the the core players, like I said earlier, that I wish we could have uh, pulled more over is we pulled you, Coral Costa, Gordy mm-hmm. uh, Bravo, Missy Takeaho, Tina Yosefa. I think that was it. Katie. And Katie. Katie was
0: the first one. She was like our entryway.
1: <sighs> Did she come the year before?
0: Yes. Um. Was it the year before or the same year? It, no. Wait. No. It was a year before. Okay. And then it was kind of not like a fill out, but, but what, she was the first what, one. Yeah, yes, yeah. and then the next year or that next summer, um, or fall, I'm so yeah. lost. <laughs> then the rest of us had to come in. But that was, and
1: that was it. I mean, there wasn't like there were all these liquid ladies teams, and we kept feeding. That was just a short little yeah. extraction. I remember the day watching making the final decisions. The last player that I had asked that day was Coral. And it really came down to, I don't think she had the greatest day on the field, but when I asked myself the question, um, would I be okay if I saw her in another dugout doing well against us? And there's a lot of times I tell myself, yeah, that's fine. I will accept that. Yeah. It was a no for Coral. And yeah. uh, so to see everyone going on to their careers and everyone and made some noise and did well and you mm-hmm. guys all represented and had your value in your program. So, so you played for us and... Um, are there any memories, any defining moments? You know, your time with the Firecrackers was four years, so you know. And like I said, I enjoy this time that we can be friends. And I tell yes. our coaches, we are friendly with our players and families, but we're truly not we're truly not friends until our work is done. Yes, and we see each other afterwards. Because for me to declare myself as your friend when I'm making lineups and have to make decisions, that can jeopardize that relationship. So, I mean, I don't love you any more or less than <laughs> I did before, but it's just a different type of relationship. Yes. So the training on our team prepares you to be the best. Wasn't easy. Not easy. Not easy. What, coming
0: in five foot two, a little over yeah. 100 pounds, But you look, know?
1: At, look at TNASF. I mean, exactly. you know, it, I don't think it mattered it, because you were going to get exposed mm-hmm. You are going to learn some things about yourself. Um, but I'm wondering in your mind, when you think about the firecracker chapter in your life, what what memories stand out with the toughness of the training, the fun of the team, the traveling, the dugout? What, what comes to mind?
0: The very first, like, when I think of firecrackers, I just think of, like, the very first week, two weeks, month, where I would just, like, in, I'm not a crier, unless I'm watching a sad movie, But I remember just talking to my dad in the car one day after practice, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I don't know what it is. I'm okay physically, but mentally, I'm just – I can fall asleep. Like, I'm so mentally drained right now. And it's summer. I didn't have school on top of it. But I I just remember, like, I can hang physically, but mentally, I'm just – lost
1: did you ever find yourself in the so i call this the learning curve mm-hmm. so in order to get higher than you've ever been performance wise you've got to hit your low and oh, learn some low. things <laughs> and so what was it either driving a practice or games. sometimes i've either had other players go i dreaded going to practice or i dreaded going because you were going to yeah. and you know again i think it's important for coaches to understand before i describe myself as this terrorist and <laughs> and you know the toughness of the training, but there's balance to the relationship Very that much. proves itself over time. But did you ever find yourself just even not dreading driving to the field and stuff, but you just it wasn't gonna be a comfortable day.
0: The only time I dreaded driving to the field is when I saw that clock go one minute past being there fifteen minutes early and I was like, oh my gosh. Or just, I remember him. It, there was one, one specific time where my alarm just didn't go off, and I showed up almost game time. And I remember talking to Kayla. I'm like, "What do I say?" She's like, "Don't say alarm didn't go off." <laughs> she and I just went about my business. I got the silent treatment, which I think is the most effective way rather than yelling. And I just was like, "Oh my gosh," the not knowing, I and mean, not that year. Did ago. it only happen
1: once? You showed up late. I don't. I don't have you know, a memory of it. I don't know why Missy and Tina. That's a strong memory in my mind, but I don't remember.
0: Yeah, that, I think that was one of the very few times because yeah. if my parents were not that door by the time I was like, no, we're going to be half an hour early. I I hate to say it now too. I get very like anxiety ridden, and I didn't know anxiety then. Where I would just get like I would shut down and get almost like an attitude. I'm like, no, we got to go. So and I'm like that still with everything. Though. Sure. So, I mean, it prepared me.
1: I think I think it's important for coaches to understand that anxiety becomes part of the environment. And yes. that if you – kind of like a controlled burn. So Great. if you can create it <laughs> and manage it and then get them to work with it. So it's not like creating stress for all the wrong reasons because a lot of teams do that. Yeah. And a lot of coaches do that. And a lot of players play under the wrong type of stress or yeah. uh, um, anxiety that they don't know how to handle. But it is. It's kind of a controlled – I just say torture. I always go to these, <laughs> you know, I think of like how tough it could have been. But in the end, what did you end up learning about yourself? I mean, you know, you learned to play the game a certain way. Yes. Um, you know, mentally, uh, I think behaviorally, which you already had a presence. So it's not like you had to learn.
0: What I had to presence, learn. Presence,
1: but you had to learn what?
0: Yes, I had to learn that I had a presence. I was very like, if you would have saw me with my freshman year, I would been like, no, no way! I'm not talking in front of this. But I had to learn. I had a presence, yeah. and you know. So I for know any
1: players or parents of players that might be listening to, describe some of that behavior on the field and what makes a difference. Because again, five foot two, mm-hmm. but you play like you're six foot eight. Oh yeah. So <laughs> describe that. Describe what's important for our parents and and players to understand about this. Because when they're worried and they they don't understand the stress or anxiety they're under. It affects their behavior. Mm-hmm. So, what advice would you have to anybody listening about the importance of behavior and how you take the field, and walk, and talk, and pointing?
0: I mean, it's it's probably one of the most important things.
1: I mean, your primary positions were what?
0: Middle infield, second short. Well, I started off shortstop, right? You know, and so you made have made it a to responsibility
1: base. to lead.
0: Oh yeah, and you know, even in college or anywhere I played, I learned how to play second base like a shortstop. You know, if someone's not going to take charge charge then you know i'm going to up
1: the middle if you're at second base and the shortstop is talented but maybe not as communicative Mm -hmm. or you know then somebody else has to exactly
0: you know someone has to leave the field someone has to tell someone where they're going not you know not everyone's going to be there all the time or hasn't had the training they had like i've had
1: and that's really where your value was highest was defensively, defensively you were known as one of the best infielders in the country oh yeah and so when you're not a natural home run hitter Um, So this was very true for Katie Medina. Yes. So Katie Medina went on defensive specialist at University of Florida. And you, again, you you and Katie are like two peas in a Mm -hmm. pot. So it's very much the same situation because shortstop and middle infielders are – it's one of the few positions where if your defensive holds up better than your offense, it makes sense because it's so key to be making routine outs and make the plays that need to be made. But I always believe that it's very important to create value. If that's not your strong point, your offense mm-hmm. for a lot of players it's the other way around. You can't be a liability. So you can't you can't be a liability in the lineup where it's like, oh nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. So I took the approach with you, same very similar to Katie Medina, except we didn't have her switch over to the left <laughs> side as well. Hmm, should have. Wonder how she would have done. But that was to make sure that you mastered all components of the fundamental offensive game, which was having good at bats. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as a general rule, I wasn't going to allow you to have three at bats of nothing to show. So we were going to drop a bunt. Okay. We were going to move a runner over. We were going to do something because, in the end, when I talked to uh, Tim Walton about Katie or talked to any coaches about mm-hmm. players like this, said you have to understand. Let's say that you you could have a better bat in the lineup, but there's that one there's that one at bat where you can pinch hit for him, pull somebody off, power hitter, lefty, but whatever it is. But they should have two at bats where they're having some type of productivity. I would, in my mind, allow a player like that to, you know, go up, swing away, pop up to shortstop. But one time, after that, we're going to drop something. We're going to do something at the end of the game. You are going to affect the game offensively, but it might not be the highlight. Mm-hmm. So, and you really understood that role.
0: Oh yes, yeah. I to this day, I love bunting. I'll mess around at practice, and be like, watch, watch this. But you know, yeah. and that was me. That was my. What drew people or, you know, it's not drew th- people, but, you know. Well, it,
1: it can create some create some intrigue. But if you think about it, it's not the glamorous home run. It not I mean, what do people love? They love the fastball. People that throw hard and they love the home run. We just did a, 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 a coaching clinic for the firecracker coaches. Okay. And my hour session was on the bunts. And I said, you know, so many of you are just going to, hmm, yeah. I said, and then all of a sudden you're facing these pitchers. They're not giving you centered balls to hit. And just like I said, allowing one player to not have three at-bats in a row where they weren't productive. But I really don't like having four or five hitters in a row. If you remember, i get pretty creative offensively because yes. <laughs> I don't like anybody doing to us over and over and over. So we always have to get creative. And in the end, there, it just keeps a flow to the game, and it allows the offense to stay, to continue its continuity mm-hmm. from batter to batter to batter. So okay. um, the sneaky bunt and the sacrifice bunt was huge. And oh, yes. Always a big part of our... Offense.
0: I remember, yeah, we wouldn't hit. We would just bunt for like almost an hour sometimes. And sometimes to, to, to take away an
1: off speed pitch, sometimes mm-hmm. just to expose some corners, make defense make a play, uh, sometimes to move a runner over, second to third, but we're going to go a little early, staying home on the bunt. We talked a yeah. little bit about that stuff, um, you know, creating squeeze plays, all different things like that. But I think it's a part of the game that's really, really underappreciated. Yes. And uh, so you took that with you to St. John's. Yeah. And so you finish your firecracker uh, career of four years, mm-hmm. and we send you off to New York. The big city. And so what was that like for uh, a spicy, confident, beautiful little Latina girl thinking thinking she was ready?
0: Thinking, yes.
1: And then what was it like heading <laughs> over to New York for?
0: And then just not a cultural shock, but almost like a kind
1: cultural though, shock. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely a yeah. cultural because shock, Because. Right?
0: I thought I was spicy. Oh, no. I was mild. <laughs> Very mild. So what did and, you
1: experience initially? A lot of politeness and manners? And, no, and, and, not at all. And it's not to say that the East Coasters are bad people if you're listening out there. It's just it's the way things are there. Exactly. We have, to, we have to adapt to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, they weren't going to adapt to me. You yeah. want to move over for people? Go ahead, but you're still going to get ran over by someone else not moving for you.
1: So an aggressive...
0: Very aggressive, which... I've come to love. I love it. I love the fast pace of just everything.
1: So you went from kind of what? Getting shoved at Starbucks or the bagel shop to?
0: To being the one shoving someone.
1: <laughs> but you had to do it.
0: You know, it, it's a dog-eat-dog sort of lifestyle. It really is. If someone's going to come up to you and cuss you out, well, okay, well, you be better be ready to cuss someone else back.
1: Do they mean it personally?
0: No, No. No. It might That's just be talk. like you looked at them the wrong way. Listen, you know what? I was looking past you, not through you, whatever, you know. I, I mean, it's not that extreme, but
1: it's just an so extreme example. were you a little um, self-conscious or unsure at first, or, or how long did it take for you to really go, okay, I really like this?
0: You know, it took a while. It took maybe half of my freshman year to really like, okay, you know what? No, it's I'm not going to be just another person and another student going back home and like, oh, I can't do it.
1: No, it wasn't going to be me. Kinda, so you kind of had a moment.
0: Yeah, where it was kind of like, okay.
1: Put your big girl pants on? Exactly,
0: exactly. And it's like, okay, now I'm going to finish it out. I'm going to do it, suck it up, do what I have to do, figure it out.
1: Did you have a defining moment in softball where there was time that you can think about where it's like, what the heck am I worried about? Because this is a relatable <laughs> story now, okay? Uh, softball players, how many worry too much and... I feel like if you just really understood the truth and you'd realize I am good, these are just worries and concerns, but I am good, you know, and then you go on into life and you say, look, I can do this. I can run from my fears. I can cower. I can go home. I can, or I can, I can suck it up.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So do you have that point as a player as well? Or you always pretty confident? I was
0: confident. I was confident playing. And, you know, some of that didn't help, you know, my situation at school and got to learn.
1: Overly You'd, confident?
0: No. no? Be, I don't I don't like that's one thing. I'll never be cocky. I'll be never be overly confident. But I know what what I can and can't do.
1: You're certain of yourself.
0: Very yeah. yeah. On the field, especially. Like yeah. on the field. I'm not gonna be bossing people around, but I'm gonna be like, hey listen, this is where we're going, this is what we're doing, I'm gonna be here. You better be there. We're going to do it. That's Did you it. ever
1: hit a low point playing wise? That low point so you know it's very common that players will say I reached that point or I really considered not playing anymore. Just about every player hits that moment at least once. And if you didn't, mm-hmm. I want that to be part of your story because it's very unique, but I I don't know why I wouldn't be surprised. I I Tough think times my but sophomore the bottom. year.
0: Yeah, my sophomore year was probably
1: High school or college? College. Okay, good.
0: Oh, not my team. (laughs) But it wasn't significant enough where it's like, oh, I'm not going to play anymore. That that was never an option. It's never. It's It's such a common
1: story, though. So so whether it's natural, like I, I. tell people my perception mm-hmm. is naturally confident. It's not a, a fake thing or something. It's just kind of, and, and you kind of have that. What what advice do you, or what could we have for people that don't feel like they have the confidence? I mean, you know, you're talking about sucking it up and staying in New York. I mean, you're over there by yourself. You're all by yourself, you know, but what, what advice do you have for any players? Or like I said, people that might be listening that it comes to that that point where it's like, am I not going to because of fear mm-hmm. or just push through it?
0: I think most of the time, it it honestly really is just yourself getting into your head. The one thing that I, you know, if I can give advice is just remember, like, for me, it was always like, okay, now my parents did this, so I'm going to finish. I'm going to do this. You know, What doesn't matter what it is, I'm going to finish. They probably didn't want to wake up. Yeah. They didn't want to wake up at 4.30 a.m., but they did. Right. You know, I don't want to get up for the 6 a.m. lift, but I'm going to. You know? do you
1: realize more now or were you pretty aware of the sacrifices your parents were making when you were playing travel ball
0: always aware yeah, yeah i think aware. since i was little um i've been very mature for my age since i was really little i think i've I'd hit <laughs> i think i've hit where like you know my age and my maturity are pretty there but i I've, I've always been aware it doesn't matter you know whether i was 10 or i knew my sisters were getting up too you know yeah. so it's like it was never an option not to do it.
1: Your parents did a good job of instilling yeah. the big picture, yeah. You know, and so you never really lost that. Which again, mm-hmm. I think that when you do, when you learn the right playing approach, you avoid the the extreme highs, mm-hmm. you avoid the extreme lows. You just kind of stay in that middle. Yes, you yeah. enjoy things. Okay, life's tough, but it's not this big up and down. So, so let's go back to New York, and so now you're you're gonna stick with it. Mm-hmm. You know, just get used to it and say, okay, I'm gonna suck it up. And then, so tell me what you love most about living back East and
0: I've learned to love just the spiciness. I like that word, um, of the city, of the lifestyle of everything. Everyone is so driven and just, even if it's the smallest thing, they're riding their bikes, delivering food, but they're freaking riding those bikes with a purpose. you truly
1: could live there without a car. In fact,
0: I did all four years. Yeah. Yeah. All four years. Did you like that? Um, Yes.
1: Do you like being back here with a car now? Or? I
0: do. I do. It was. It's. It would have been nice to have a car, but driving in that snow and just seeing people's cars get hit, I'm like, oh, I'm all right. Yeah. And the car insurance there is ridiculous. Don't need to worry about
1: that. No. Yeah.
0: I lived like a mile from campus. so I was fine.
1: So you've been back home uh, how long now?
0: Almost a year now.
1: Almost a year. Almost a year now. Have you went back?
0: No. No. i got to save. You're getting the itch? Oh, my gosh, yeah. My best friend, she's um, actually, she, she played shortstop. She's back there right now with her family. Awesome! I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah,
1: you'll, you'll get back, but you've got oh, some, yeah. you got some other priorities. <laughs> yes, yes. So I one of the first things you wanted to show me today was you got a little, you got a little <laughs> rock on your finger. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank and your you. fiance's name is Benny. Benny. Yes. And Benny survived the
0: four the, years the trip of, to college. Yeah, and it was not easy. It wasn't easy. I had to find myself. He had to find himself. Do what we had to do to get through it. He went to school too and figured it out. I figured it out.
1: So so we'll, we'll keep this part quick mm-hmm. because we can get caught up in it. But I do want to cover a couple of things because of oh, um, my personal experience of have, having to endure and then survive and mm-hmm. kind of do things on your own. So my, my message was always – and I know Norm and Coach Don would say things to me like, "Man, you need to like knock off the lone wolf stuff and, <laughs> and teach them that that people they can meet the right people." So I would always be like, "Okay, and if you think you're keeping your boyfriends when you're going to college, you're just stupid because how can you not go to college and not experience things and and you know if you don't experience things and try things and all within good uh, yes. good context, but then you'll never know. Exactly. And if you're going to save yourself for this or that, and you know, but I've seen it a couple times now, and I've seen uh, enough of our alumni. Uh, manage a relationship and there's I would imagine there still had to be a certain amount of freedom There's, there still mm-hmm. had to be a certain amount of and there were some unknown but what was the trick to, to allowing it to things to happen so that you could stay together while you were off of college because that's a tough one to pull off
0: I, God bless his soul I don't know how he did it if it were me here you know I don't know how he did it but he's very very um,
1: he gave you your space
0: oh yes until this day you know we're still engaged and it's like good yeah you know and, and, so he's not know. obsessive no not at all that's no. big very there's a difference between so
1: find yourself a man that's not find obsessive. yourself a man
0: that lets you wear what you want do what you want and still does, respect and yourself. he does what he wants exactly never never I don't nag I don't say I will never forget to this day one of the best things he ever taught me was you know when you have your husband one day it's you never how do you say it we need to talk
1: can no man talk? likes
0: coming home. Can we
1: talk? Yes. But there's plenty of ways yes. to say that. Hey, let's meet later and go over a couple things. Exactly.
0: Hey, <laughs> um, when you get home, you know, let's go do something and have a conversation.
1: got to run know? something by you real, real exactly. quick.
0: And for me, it's always <laughs> the let's talk is I have bunnies and I'm always coming home with one and he knows. And I say, hey, um, can I talk to you? It's probably that.
1: <laughs> it's probably that. You said but, bunnies?
0: Like rabbits. They are my pride and joy.
1: What do you find them on the side of the road, and you, you go to the pet, the pet shop? shop? Yeah. So I was <laughs> going to say because you don't just find rabbits like you no, so stop at off. They're
0: them. beautiful. I have a lion, two lion heads. If anyone knows rabbits, look them up.
1: Has anyone told you you don't need to keep picking them up? You just kind of get two, and <laughs> then. <they, laughs>
0: i down to two now, oh, two boys, but.
1: What were you up to?
0: Four, two four? boys, two girls. Yeah, that's not bad. It, no, it's it is. Like you had a
1: whole. But I called a flock of rabbits. I yeah, called a bunch
0: of. He's like, I'm going to come home one day, and you're going to have a little farm in our backyard. And I was like, Yeah, sounds right. <laughs> but to get back, yeah, okay. he it's.
1: So he gives you a space. There's room yes. and allows you your rabbits
0: exactly. Yeah. And you know, if he says like you know, probably not, which he's very good about not being like, no, you can't do this. It's like, yeah, you know, probably shouldn't. Then I know it's like okay, it's pushing it. Well, there so is.
1: there's a respect for yes. each other's opinion. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've got some pretty good ingredients there. Yeah. I'm proud of you young people that seem <laughs> to find some of the, the right stuff to make it happen. So we're excited <laughs> for you, Lex. Thank you. Um, tell me what you're doing now. So what, you've been back home. Yeah. And are you, uh, what, putting an hour somewhere? What's uh, what's your lifestyle like right now?
0: Yeah. Um, well, when I came home, didn't have a job, didn't, wasn't in a hurry, nothing. My parents didn't really push me. And then...
1: Did you need that little bit of a space or did you feel uncomfortable with that?
0: No, I needed a little bit of space because I was like, I don't know, which I mean. So you're okay everyone. when
1: people are going, what are you doing now? Yeah, I'm like. So what are you doing now? Yeah. So what are you doing now?
0: I'm I'm okay. I'm fine with it. I'm like, oh, you know, just.
1: Figuring stuff out. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm, I was, what, 22 coming home. I'm going to pick my career for the rest of my life. It wasn't happening to me, at least. I think
1: that's good for people to hear. Yeah. Because we we get, and again, I say this often, but we go from this achievement mode. Okay, let's get the good grades, mm-hmm. let's study. And then snap, snap, you're done with college and it goes to providing. Yeah. Are you providing for yourself? What are you doing for yourself? It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about finding my purpose? Mm-hmm. What about figuring out something that I love to do on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and not just love the weekends? So I think that's an important part of it. So so anything... Uh, if, I would like to ask the question this way, if there's something that you could get paid every day to do that you love every single day, if anything stand out? <clears throat> and don't say raise rabbits.
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, you know, I really ask myself that almost every day. I'm like, I, I still to this day don't know what I want to do.
1: Um, the only denominator I have from my younger days to now was that I wanted to be involved in sports or music. I wanted my matters. life to feel like a party. So I wanted to have some degree of like every day going, Hey, yeah. And not mm-hmm. like, Oh, <laughs> hey. And so not knowing mm-hmm. if you would have said to me at your age, Oh, especially your age that I was going to be a softball coach. And uh, you know, when I'm 53 and you know, I would have known how to really put that in my head. And I would have said, mm-hmm. No, like that doesn't sound anything, but the, the, the ingredients of my life. I don't think you can, it's not just a softball coach. I think you can do this with a lot of different things. I mean, these conversations, everything, you just, you just, it's just live. So, so I ask only to, to know where that story is right now, but sometimes the story is that there's not an answer yet. And that's beautiful because I think there's a lot of people, Lexi, that need to know that, look, don't stress and don't go and do something and grab something. And then next thing you know how time flies five, 10 years later, you're like, why did I do that? Mm -hmm. I did this for the money, or I did this so that I can do this. And in the end, uh, enjoy your freedom. I mean, if you're able to eat, and somehow you're getting food on the table and, you know, keep exploring. I can't Mm -hmm. even think in my mind, and I certainly don't call myself the most mature-minded person, (laughs) but at 25, 26, I might have just barely been, like, starting. You know, yeah. so, hey, more power to anyone that knows ahead of time yeah, and they can I pick really their do. career at 17 and they're loving it mm-hmm. to 47. But, you know, I ask people to be patient with themselves and don't, you know. Yeah. Don't and don't
0: parents do, because it can be, I may be as calm on the outside, but inside it, you know, it gets hard where it's like, well, I need to figure it out. You know, yeah. everyone else, you know, my sister, she's the same just stay me, knows what she wants to do, loves her job. Good. And me and I'm like, well, I don't know, yeah, <laughs> you know, and
1: but, hey, it's better to have the room to explore. Exactly. And fly. hmm You know?
0: Not time. everyone figures it out right away, and who knows? But
1: here's what I know. I know that every couple of years when you call me <laughs> and you come by, <laughs> that you're going to be owning it, and you're going to oh, yeah. be loving what you do and, and for the terms you're doing it with. And, and, and again, I, I appreciate you coming and sharing this this conversation because I want most of our podcasts our coaches and parents listen to. <laughs> um, I think we'd have to have a different uh, – a little different type of message or presentation if we're really going to try to reach our players there will be times and i may ask you to come back you know that it's we do specific you. things in fact today later today we may shoot a uh we call it an <laughs> end the cage segment and so we might go over the luxury road with a sneak bunt you know and yeah. the fact that you're in your uh daily clothes i think it might make it even better so we'll we'll we'll, we'll think about that <laughs> but thank you for so much for coming in of course and um gosh do you talk any of the old teammates at all you ever um you said uh, Kayla, you still are best friends. Yeah, friend.
0: I haven't talked to her in a little bit. I know she's working and stuff too, but yeah, yeah dabble here and there. Well, shout
1: out to all the Lakewood ladies, <laughs> firecracker girls, and so many of them Everyone. went on to do great things. And you know, but yeah. now back in the real world, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, so, real world. I'm, so. I do miss that group, I miss them all. Yeah, well,
1: it was it's a special nice. time. Like I said, we, we have had a lot of special chapters, but that in particular was a special group and everything from the discipline and the learning curve of being a ball player to, to watching you guys become the people that you are, the value that you had to your programs and all different ways that you created that value. And I will tell you hearing it from your coaches. And so that always makes me most proud, more proud than a statistic. (laughs) Um, But uh, Lex, love you a lot. Really glad that you came back and uh, we'll look forward to getting you back in the studio. And uh, maybe at that time you'll be Mrs. Garcia. Oh my gosh. At that Mm. time. All right. Yeah. But thanks for coming in, okay? Let's (laughs) go grab some lunch. All right. You're very welcome. (laughs)